places. Everyone. We're now broadcasting. Roll the tape in. Three, two. A new audio drama. Appaloosa Radio is where stories come alive. Appaloosa Radio offers, on the Express Bus 73A, a multi-episode original story. Many contemporary high-tech employees ride Express commuter buses daily to and from their work sites. Mr. Larry J. Connors is just one of the many. Larry is a numbers guy, a veritable filing cabinet for numbers, whose speciality is making fiscal projections, doing benefit analysis and generating cost-to-price determinations. Unfortunately, Larry is also a quasi-social isolate who stares at his own shoes to avoid eye contact with others. As our story begins, Larry's personal life has been reduced to doing his laundry, playing with his dog, and watching old, classic movies on television. One morning, when he boards his usual commuter bus, everything changes. He's no longer who he is. He is now living another's life and he's a stranger in his own body. Chapter 6 Reactivation No, I'm not currently on active duty, but I'm still in the Army Reserve. As a major in the Reserve, it brings me an extra thousand a month for doing absolutely nothing, not a thing. They just send me the checks.
Tim's, my, administrative assistant knew the call would come. She knew it as an apodictic certainty. She knew that if 2 plus 2 equals 4, then Tim Augustine would call this afternoon. If today, the earth rotated around its sun, then it was a guarantee that Tim would call to cancel all his afternoon appointments. She could bet $100 on it and never lose. It was a certainty above all. It was the kind of certainty only wives and administrative assistants knew. It was a certainty beyond any that science could provide. Then at 2.15, it came. Hello, Corporate Communications. This is Lorraine. Lorraine, cancel my afternoon meetings. I'm leaving at 2.30 for my daughter's basketball game. I figured you might. I had already penciled it in. Blocked out the whole afternoon. So, no problem. You don't have any meetings this afternoon. What did I do to deserve such an efficient administrative assistant? I am so glad you appreciate me. But really, as if I could miss it. You must have a million pictures of Carrie playing basketball in your office. There is Carrie dribbling, Carrie jumping, Carrie grabbing a rebound. But how did you know about today's game? I saw it last week in the local paper. Just remember, being an effective administrative assistant means never being surprised. Never being surprised. I'll try to remember that. Gotta run. Claire is picking me up. This is an all-Augustine family event. Well, good luck to all. See you tomorrow. lot, Claire arrived late, and in a hurry. Oh, sorry I'm late. Traffic on the interstate freeway was all jammed up. A big rig ran into a garbage truck. Because I love you, I brought you a before the game snack. And some clothes to change into, so you can look snazzy at the game. Thanks. How's Carrie doing? Claire took her eyes off the road to read her husband. She could see that he was proud, but concerned for her. She is really anxious. She'll be guarded by a girl who was first team all week last year. This morning she would not eat anything, but I made her drink a protein milkshake. I also made her a snack. Some veggies and fruit and nuts. Still she is really nervous. Maybe a little scared. Once the game starts, Carrie will get into the flow. Everything will be fine. Besides, it is your genius. Tim will cut her with a pixie spray. Science! Uh, 
Maybe a little scared. Don't worry. Once the game starts, Carrie will get into the flow. Everything will be fine. Besides, it is in her genes. Tim Augustine had played guard on his West Point basketball team. They made a good run in the NCAA tournament, making it all the way to the third round, before finally losing to Duke. The Augustine family was big on sports, and this was a big night for the family. started the second period, and scored nine points against a bigger, Way to go, Kerry! Keep it up, no defense, good defense! Go, go, go! Carrie started the crucial fourth period, but the coach pulled her, to do a zone defense. Unfortunately, the zone defense didn't work, and allowed the other team to catch up. To our family's disappointment, Carrie's team lost by four points. Still we celebrated with a special family dinner after Carrie came home. I put my arm around my daughter and told her, I'm really proud of you. You never quit. You gave it everything you had. Carrie, you are my star. Carrie started to cry and then kissed me on the cheek. It was about 9 o'clock when the call came in on Tim's secure company cell phone. My fingers quickly typed the secret codes that allowed me to receive the call. Hello Tim. This is David Laraback. Tim knew that was General David Laraback, Tim's old boss at Army Special Operations. Hello General. I felt a quiver in Tim's body as he answered. The General knew Tim well. He decided that there was no need for extraneous small talk. He plunged quickly to the point. Tim, I am reactivating you. You have a unique set of skills that no one else has. 
I have searched hundreds of personnel files but could find no one else who can do what needs to be done. I felt my body steal itself for a response. And what do you need done? Well, Tim, as you know modern warfare is fought with many weapons, not just with bullets and tanks. Tim kept silent, but inwardly cursed. Of course, I know that. I wrote the white paper that led to the creation of your army division. The management and transmission of information and, on occasion, misinformation can be crucial in obtaining desired military objectives. Tim could have continued quoting his own words, but he knew better of it. Dave Laraback was a straight shooter. He was simply stating his needs. If you watched television news, you would believe that the war had ended three years ago, that all the American forces had left the country. It was a big splash, with lots of publicity. But that was not true. There were still American advisors playing significant roles. Sometimes, they were buying friends, sometimes they were training locals, and sometimes they were actively confronting an ever-present enemy. What General Laraback wanted Tim to do was to re-enter the country, this time under a cover as a private businessman running a web-based advertising firm. The general recited the three crucial skills that only Tim Augustine possessed. 1. He knew the locals and they knew him. 2. He can speak all of the native languages, and 3. He knew how to generate an information campaign that benefits the military goals. The information campaign that Tim would lead will be designed to combat similar campaigns, already in place, used by the enemy. He was to be the principal weapon in an information war that the general knew had to be won. When General Laraback added, I have already told the Sainuka Corporation to hold your position. Tim's body shuddered again. There was no choice, the orders had been cut. Sir? How long do you think the assignment will take? I expect it will be less than two years. Give your family your farewells. I expect you to be on a plane tomorrow afternoon. After the general had hung up, I heard Tim cursing. That damn thousand a month. That damn free money. Nothing is ever free. How do you tell your wife that you have a secret assignment that will place you in grave danger and will keep you away from home for two years? For Claire, it was best just to tell her. She was an army wife, she dealt in realities, not possibilities. After the girls had gone to bed, Tim told Claire about General Lurabak's phone call. She was neither angry nor upset, she was just silent distantly silent. Tim had been deployed in country three previous times. During the first, Tim was on the staff of the theater commander, serving him as one of his principal translators. On the second deployment, he worked at the regional headquarters teaching army interrogators the nuances of the local languages. 
the third was by far the most dangerous. He ran an intelligence gathering network of locals, teaching them English, in exchange for gathering information for him. His unit was not housed on a well-guarded base, with multiple secure perimeters. No, it was in a converted store. Its door opened directly to the street. The assignment from General Larabak would be much like his last deployment. He would appear to be interested only in commerce, no guards, no protections. Tim sipped a bourbon in his office after Claire had gone to bed. I watched him in the mirror. Or was he watching me? This new assignment would also mean that he could no longer communicate with Catherine. Army communications protocol would prevent any out-of-channel messaging. I could feel Tim's despondency creep through his body. I felt it in his toes, his knees, neck, and in his ribs. I listened to his heart race, then slow to almost nothing, and then race again. He coughed. I didn't remember him coughing earlier in the day. I'm taking notes as his condition changed. I am observing while he is participating. It is strange. I was not distraught or upset. I was an observer. It was me observing me. Then, I realized that it was not Larry taking notes about Tim, it was Tim taking notes about himself. Neither Larry Connors nor General David Larabak had Tim's ability to simultaneously handle multi-channel information, information with varying valence, information with differing threats, information that had to be communicated inversely. Neither Larry nor the General had ever winked at someone with a pixieish grin. In truth, neither had secrets. Their information had one valence, totally flat and straight. Tim, on the other hand, sang information like an opera, bending and weaving, changing melodies and keys, creating one emotion after another. It was part of what had made Tim such a good spot. It also made him an excellent poker player. Information doesn't always need to be covered with a mask. It can also be covered with a joke, or a sigh, or a rueful smile, or even by humming a bit of a song. Tim could separate himself from the situation, make observational notations about it, and then supply the singular message that matched the situational urgencies. Tim watched Tim. Finally, sleep came in what I thought was a sleepless night. Suddenly, I hear voices, loud, panic. My God. My God. Oh, mother crab. Going to go now. It's an IED. It is going to explode. An IED. Consuming light instantly blankets everything. It is yellow, and green, and red. 
It is hot and intense. It is close. Then, I hear the sound, louder, squealing like a gigantic I smell the sound, feel it in my nose, before I hear it. If I heard it at all, then, blackness and silence overwhelm me. Go girl, way to go, carry, keep it up, good defense. I am really proud of you, you never quit, you gave it everything you had, carry, you're my star. You gave it everything you had, carry, you're my star. You gave it everything you had, carry, you're my star. Palooza Springs Audio Theatre is a creative collaboration whose purpose is to write, produce, and share original story content through webcast radio experiences.